Hey! Welcome everybody to the Indie Pod Podcast. I'm your host, Super Joe Pardo, and this week I have a great guest who is uh, got like a larger than life personality that I'm looking forward to tapping into. Uh, but first, I got to talk about our sponsor, Podbean. This episode is brought to you by Podbean. Uh, Podbean is an easy and powerful way to start podcasting. We give you all the tools. I mean, they give me, not we. I'm not giving you any of the tools. They give you all the tools you need for a successful pod. Well, I, I, I am giving you some of those tools, but <laughs> not not the kind of tools that Podbean is offering. Uh, they uh, they offer unlimited podcast hosting, podcast distribution monetization options for your for podcasts of any size and live stream podcast podcasting podcasting capabilities sign up today at www.podbean.com that's p o d b e a n.com this week's guest runs a show called the readily random podcast he is hilarious i hope he doesn't curse all over this show and i am looking for a warm welcome for all of you to give to our guest larry roberts what's up larry Woo! you are muted you are muted there you go professionals at our best well whenever i sit in the green room i like to mute myself just in case i i don't know i may have something to say you know what i mean so we can't hear you in the green room no, I, oh, well, that makes sense too. It's just habit. It's professional <laughs> courtesy and a professional habit. So, anyways, we're here. We're unmuted. We're ready to rock. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny is seeing uh, so many of the local newscasters uh, do their like. You know, I'm broadcasting from my living room. Right. Uh, it's 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 hilarious how lack of professional setups they have though today i'm bringing this up because today on fox 29 here in philadelphia one of our beloved uh reporters uh anchorman is is now solely at home and he was on the morning the good day philadelphia show and he was showing his setup and i was like oh that caught my attention because like before that they were talking about like hair tips for the for the new age of today and and so they go to i forget i can't think of his name but i have actually met him in person and i i apologize for forgetting his name but i have met him in person he's very nice uh i, I went through with on a tour with him uh when i was working at hope works uh and it was it was he's awesome so uh point being is that like his setup he had like the giant like a giant probably like 85 inch tv sitting behind him that looked like crisp and he had like this ring lights up and he had like monitors everywhere also he could do his show and uh you know i like i mean i don't know if if he's got somebody else that he's tapping into for for understanding the technology that he's using but like props to him if it is him that's putting all that together because like it's very clear that like Seth Myers doesn't even know how to record <laughs> a show in his own house, let alone, you know, put TVs up and monitors and everything. Um, I will say, uh, watching John Oliver this week, his show, uh, while, while it doesn't have the same punch cause there's not a live studio audience there. Right. Uh, his audio quality did not sound as good. I don't know if he's using a different microphone. I mean, he's recording in his house at this point, but but you know, and and he's recording on Saturday versus Sunday, uh, just so that they have time to edit. But you know, the 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 sacrifices that these people are making is is incredible. Meanwhile, this is how we we do it every day, right, Larry? 
right on, man. That's exactly how we do it. We just we do what we do to get by. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we I'd say more than just to get by because you know we build our 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 um our our platforms and a reputation. Reputation was the word I couldn't think of. Uh, you know, on on how well we're able to produce shows with little to no resources um, in the ways of you know i don't know giant mixing boards and lots of people that that are all helping do you know one person is just the donut guy right like that's that's somebody's job (laughs) how are we supposed to do this without the donut guy right (laughs) and 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 to play on that i don't know if you saw the other day when i did my video but behind me in my studio one of my favorite pieces uh it's it's this batman back here and he's actually holding a bowl of donuts watch Now, now, why is he holding a bowl of donuts? I have no idea. I just thought it was funny, and uh, I stuck it in his hands, and I've loved it ever since. But you know, he's my personal in-studio donut guy. <laughs> well, that's that's awesome, man. That it's just good that it's good that you got the ba- the bases covered. I mean, you have a whole team of people working behind you. I do. You just don't know. You know, you don't know. <laughs> Some night at the museum stuff, kind of stuff. Go. All my little figures here are going to come to life, and. And they Toy story. And do my edits and everything. So, <laughs> awesome. so Larry, uh, why don't you give some background about your podcasting uh, prowess and when you got started? How you know, and and uh, fill us in. Well, you know, I got started about five years ago, and um, I started off with a totally different show. And I'm going to apologize right now; my voice is a little coarse. Normally, I sound a lot better than this. But uh, back to what I was talking about in that started about five years ago with a totally different show. Uh, it was a comedy show, and I can tell that my reputation continued because before we started, Joe introduced me and said, I hope you have a group all over the place. Uh, my first show was uh, a comedy show that had a little cursing in it, or a lot of cursing, really. And uh, just to play on that, you know, many people are afraid to get started podcasting because they're not really sure what that first step is to take or how that first episode should go. Well, I had it in my head how it should go, and I had a co-host. And we had a blue snowball, a Yeti snowball, right? I said blue, but it's a Yeti snowball. And we only had one mic, and it was he and I sitting side by side. And, of course, being a voiceover guy uh, at the time, I told him, I said, all right, Jamie, no no breath noises. Don't breathe in the mic. Don't exhale in the mic. Don't do any of this. We got to be really good about it, right? So here we are. We're, we're sitting on an ottoman. Uh, in a non-studio, and we are holding this snowball back and forth. And it was quite the sight just to see us. You know, we would talk to them and go, did you ever see that chocolate rain video? Back yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, it was the same type of deal. You know, we were like, chocolate rain. <sighs> you know, it was the same gig. But anyways, we, we were doing the, the comedy show, and it was so bad. And we took it to such an extreme that we didn't even release it. It was like, we cannot put this out to the public. Now, if you pay enough, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, we, we, uh, we, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't publish it. It was horrible. So we slowly tuned ourselves. And although it was still a, 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 a not family entertainment, it was still a lot of fun. And we even took it to the point where we had an online radio station uh, we took it live on stage at a local club here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Uh, and then it evolved into an open mic night for comedians. Now, I know some folks don't like open micers, but 
you know, you got to start somewhere. It's like it's like starting a podcast. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Open mic or podcasters out there that you got to respect because you, it's 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 where they come from. It's the seeds of of their future, you know. So uh, much respect to all the open micers out there. Because I mean, I'm one of them. You know what I mean? Or I was. I haven't done it in a while. But anyways, the bottom line is I had to clean things up, and I wanted to take a show that contributed more because I had gone through a strong personal redevelopment and I wanted something that could impact other people and help them on their path to, I'll just say it recovery. I was an alcoholic and uh, coming out of that, I was looking not only for strength for myself, but was looking to help strengthen others. And that's where readily random got its start. Now, if you listen to readily random today, it's not that way anymore. There's not a lot of, not that I would not welcome someone on the show, but uh, the show evolved and it become more of an entrepreneurial show uh, or a success show or a motivation show or an inspiration show. All of those combined really point us towards our end goal of the show. And that is to let everyone out there know that you too can live larger than life. Well, you absolutely are larger than life, Larry. And, and I'm so glad that I got to hang out with you <laughs> at PodFest back, back in normalcy days. Uh, <laughs> back in the beginning of March, and yeah, normal um, days. <laughs> yeah as I call, <laughs> great. Now I haven't coughed like all day. Uh, no, that's not true. Today I've coughed a couple times. Yesterday I didn't cough like at all. Uh, but you know, it, uh, it's it's refreshing in a in a sense uh, that you allow your personality to come out so so big and large in a show that that comes out and tells you that it is not a super niched podcast no not at all and that's you know that's been a huge challenge for the show uh to gain traction because of the fact that it's not necessarily niched i may get a listener that hangs out for a couple of episodes because i may have back-to-back episodes that are on similar topics but then i might just come out of nowhere and smack it with a totally different topic (laughs) On episode three. And if you're a new listener and you feel that it, it can be jarring. I mean, it's just like, what, what is this about? What am I listening to? So th- there has to be a running theme to get people to hang in there and, and keep coming back and keep listening. And I haven't found, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard to find that. It, it's very difficult to find that. But being the, the rebel that I am, I've never done things the way that other people do them. It's just not my gig. So mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I'm not niching. There's no way. I'm not going to niche. And uh, then I ended up somewhat semi-niching in the entrepreneurial space. Uh, you know, and that, and that happens. I mean, I, my show was not uh, – Dreamers Podcast was not niched at all. Um, in fact, it was hinged on the idea that you have a lot to learn from other people and other niches, even if you are other in- industries, other um, career paths, things of that nature. Um because of the fact that it's, it's still about people versus like, you know, oh, I'm only going to listen to a show that about photography because I'm a photographer. Like, that's great. But there's so many things that like my friends have reached out to me and said, like, look, I learned. So I didn't know anything about DJing, but I understood what, what the guest was saying and getting at and enabled me to put myself in that position to, um, you know, to, to be like, yes, I, I identify with those types of things. 
You know, um, because I, I didn't even know you were into the DJ scene. But when you posted that last night on Facebook and I saw that, I was like, oh, my gosh, because I had just seen the guy. I don't know if you watched any of his videos that were on there. I didn't. I was in bed at the time. By the dude, time I saw your post, he is amazing. If you can go to his YouTube channel, check him out. I can't remember his name because he's, he's brand new to me. I'd never heard of him before. Mm. But man, he just goes straight fire on the turntables. It's crazy. <laughs> I will. I will have to. I will have to check it out. Um, I. I. I am kind of. I've been kind of busy today, uh, so I, I haven't been able to get my all of my stuff out and together and i'm still trying to figure out my garage situation of how i'm gonna set this up so i can move things around but uh but i, I did at least bring down a bunch of the, the cables and wiring and stuff is sitting on the uh shuffle alley next to me uh and and my mixer as well so once i go up in the yak and grab my other pair of turntables from that aren't in my um in my whatchamacallit in my office upstairs uh i will i will get it up i have to do it out here because it just you know it's just too loud next to my sure. daughter's bedroom <laughs> to to effectively use and now that i have all this great space opened up for all this room for activities here That's cool. uh I, you know i i definitely want to do it but um so we yesterday yesterday two days ago a couple days ago you did you spoke at uh, virtual independent podcast conference uh, number one. I did. Uh, yes, and yeah, I mean, I, I was it, it was definitely a, uh, a time to remember uh, for sure on my part. So, uh, thank you for speaking there. And your topic was comparanoia. Why don't you go into that a little bit? Well, comparanoia. It, 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 there's multiple <sighs> definitions to the word. And before I get into it, you know, I, I watched the playback of of the show. And uh, I noticed that you had cracked a joke right before I went on, and I just left you hanging. You're sitting there going, like, like are you going to respond, Larry? What are you doing? And I did not mean to. I feel so bad when I saw it. I was like, oh, my God, that was horrible of me. But I don't know if I didn't hear you or if I was too scared <laughs> to hear you. I don't know what happened, but I want to apologize because I left you hanging on that punchline. And what, that what, Do you recall what it was? I, I don't I don't even remember. <laughs> you were saying something about Joe Exotic what, if, or the Tiger oh, yeah, King. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. something about it, and I was just sitting here. <laughs> it was horrible. So I feel bad about that, and I apologize. Oh, but, it's all good. It's all good. Hey, let's uh, let's talk about comparanoia and what comparanoia is. You know, it's a word that's been put together from a couple of different words. Uh, they call it a portmanteau, if you're not familiar with the term, where you take – we took the, the comp from compare and that paranoia from paranoia and combined the two to make comparanoia. And comparanoia is actually a bit of a system – that comes into play when you find yourself uh, in a position where you want to be like someone or you may even want to be unlike someone. And that sounds kind of ironic because you're going to be one or the other, obviously. But, you know, if you see somebody out there that's a peer per se and you want to have what they have or they mock you for not having what they have, those scenarios come into play both ways. And it gives you this feeling of just this giant burden on your shoulders and you're lugging this around because you want to fit in so bad and you want to be cool so bad and you want to have the success that everybody around you has so bad, but yet you're holding yourself back because you're carrying around this load on your back. 
And comparanoia from our perspective is it, it, it allows you to remove that monkey or that boulder or the world, the globe, however you want to look at it, uh, just that big weight off your shoulders. You know, and, and again, it may flip the other direction and you may want to be unlike someone. You know, I'm fairly unique myself. Uh, I, I don't podcast the same way a lot of podcasters do. And in all honesty, I don't do a lot of things the way anybody else does because I just, you know, I'm, I am who I am. And it took years and years and years, probably took, I would say before I really started just being me, I was probably in my early to mid 20s, maybe even late 20s. And that established so many regrets that I had to deal with because I did strive to be ununique. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be like everybody else. But at the, but at the same time, I wanted to be me. And that can be quite the juxtaposition to put yourself in. But it all boils down to the fact that you're being compared to someone or something and it's holding you back. Yeah, you're uh, it's it's it is super easy to look at other people and be like, why did you get you know, why did that person get this or why did that person get you like, I'm going to put you on the spot. You got in podcasters magazine. I haven't been in podcasters magazine. What's up with that? I, I now I feel I feel self conscious about myself. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing it hard enough to 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 be to warrant it. Well, I, I don't know that I warranted it either. But no, 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 no. Stop. Pause. Pause. Time out. You do. So stop. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, and that's where that's that's I just I don't take compliments well. Never have because you know why? Because I I, I always that's comparanoia as well. Because I'm still comparing myself to a to being worthy of a compliment. And that's still something that I struggle with every day because everybody's always lavishing me with praise and they're telling me how great I am. No, I'm just kidding, not really. But you know well, I, I am. I don't <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I did manage to make it in the April edition of Podcast Magazine. They did a little cover story on me about my journey from alcoholism to podcasting success, as they put it in the article. And uh, it's, it was just uh, being, you know, it's just t- t- timing. It's, uh, you know, one of our mutual friends, Brent Basham, you know, he came through and he, you know, he has potit.net and everybody needs to check that out. If you're looking to be a guest, yeah, absolutely. Or, uh, you're looking to have guests on your show, check out potit.net. But, you know, it wasn't too long ago, maybe a month or so ago that Brent goes, dude, you are literally everywhere. He says, I can't do anything podcasting. And not see your face somewhere, whether it's in a podcasting group or a page or this or that or whatever it may be. You, dude, you are everywhere. And I think that's I mean, I, I, that, that's got to be it. You know, I just try to be in as many places as I possibly can be at one time uh, to be recognizable, to get my brand out there, to get my message and my story out there. And I think that makes all the difference in the world, you know. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does, and uh, I mean, c- clearly, it's it's working, and it will continue to work for you, um, because because of your personality, because of the platform, and because of, you know your sense of humor, and and willing to to beat up on yourself. I, I you know, it's it's clearly it's it's working. <laughs> <laughs> so the more I I beat up on myself, and the more self deprecation that I. Uh, present then the more successful i'm going to be is that is that the message well if you've ever been to i've never been to an open mic night but if you have like generally they those people are beating up on themselves because it's their you know they they it's easier to beat up on yourself and be 
accepted for it rather than trying to beat up on any one particular type of people or groups of people yeah, or person that, that isn't you. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, know. The, the, at that level, you don't want to beat up on anybody. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't, you haven't earned and you never have the right to beat up on somebody, but even to just like, what do you call it? You rib somebody or give them a hard time, you know, and you may say something, you know, in the comedy world, it's called roasting. And at that level, you don't have the opportunity or you, you don't even have the right to roast anybody because you are the roastee for a good five, 10 years <laughs> before you, you make it to that next level, most likely. So <laughs> uh, you, you got to earn your stripes. And it's the same way in the podcasting gig. You know, if we go back to when I started, it was roughly five years ago, maybe five and a half years ago. And I've gone through a ton and I still go through on a regular basis, a ton of failure. You know, it's, it's not a clear path. Uh, there's not a definitive answer. You know, I've hired at least, and I'm counting them in my head right now, at least a half a dozen podcast coaches. I still have a podcast coach. Matter of fact, I've only worked with him one time so far. Tonight, I have my second call with my podcasting coach. He's brand new to the scene for me. So, you know, I never stop trying to progress my game. And it takes a lot of sacrifice and it takes a, 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 a willingness to beat up on yourself because that's what's going to happen. And if you give up or you let the comparanoia come at you and you let it weigh you down too much, you start to believe it and you start to give into it. And then with those beliefs and thoughts, you know, those lead to actions and those actions can be what they call on the podcast industry pod fading where you just, you, know, you just lose interest and you lose passion and eventually it just fades out. Or you can just call it right on the spot and say, I'm done. I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. That episode got five downloads and I knew it was going to be awesome. And I'm out. I'm done. But it's just going to happen. That's part of the game. Now, I've never had an episode get five downloads, but I've had like 25, you know, and that's not much better than five. <laughs> so, so in all honesty, I've, had some, I, I've had that impact and or I've had that that crushing feel, that crushing blow to my body. Uh, in regards to my podcast and growing my podcast. And it's just part of the consistent evolution of the game. Now, when, so what, what's your, like, what's, where's your end game when it comes to podcasting? Like what, where, where do you hope that this is going to land you? Uh, and that, you know, hopefully you can overcome your comparanoia to get to said end game. You know, I, I I wonder if there is an end game. Uh, well, end game, say for this chapter of right, your life, right? Because right? like, I hope to see you on TV at some point. So like, but that's <laughs> not the end. You know, that's not the end game for this chapter. That's right. right. It could be uh, for this chapter. Like, you know, you know what I mean. Like, that's not the end game of like Larry at the end of his life kind right. of thing. But like, yes, I mean, Larry for like three, one, two, five year from now kind of thing. Right. Uh, with the podcast, I just wanted to continue to grow. I want to continue to get my brand out there of readily random media because the podcast is the podcast of my media company. And I do some other things in relation to the podcast space uh, with artwork. I do cover art for podcasts. I do one sheets for speakers. Which you do do great work. I, I actually um, soon I will be reaching out to you, Larry. Oh, for I that. appreciate that. Yeah, man. We'll yeah. Most definitely. 
So uh, that's something that I enjoy doing. Uh, will I be able to continue podcasting and doing the artwork and doing all the social media? No, there's no way. So eventually I'm going to need to branch out. I'm going to need to bring a couple of people on to either do my social media or find a great artist that can do something in a similar vein to what I do. But the, the, the end game really is, is to use my podcast to launch me into higher uh, platforms, larger platforms. Now you go, does it get larger than a podcast? Um, when I say larger, no, because a podcast is worldwide. It's global. Yep. Now, certain podcasts have a reach that uh, seems unfathomable. You know, I don't know that you can have an in-game conversation without going, well, I want to get to where Joe Rogan's at. And of course, that was my dream when I first started. Joe Rogan is really one of the biggest inspirations for starting a podcast because he said a lot of bad words. And I was like, oh, my God, really cool. So, uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't the right path at the time, but it worked out. You know, it got me going. But anyways, you know, with his 20 million downloads a month or 30 million downloads a month, that's not a reasonable expectation or even a reasonable goal. And. I think as podcasters, especially new podcasters, so many people jump in and they set that goal. And then when they get a hundred downloads for the first month and the second month and the third month, they're going, man, I'm a long ways from 20 million. This ain't going to work out. So you, you got to focus on something that's more attainable. And for my end game for podcasting is to simply use it to take me to public speaking, to presenting on online virtual conferences. Like I had the pleasure of doing at the first Indie PodCon virtual conference this past weekend. Uh, those are the types of things that I want to use my podcast for. I also want to help people get their message and their brand out. I want to, I have a podcast course, so I had to slip that in there, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I, I I do that with the course, but I want to do it on a on a on a bigger level. I want to do it in person. I want to do it side by side. Uh, I want to inspire and help and promote other people to find their path in a similar fashion to the way that I'm still finding my path. No, I I, I love that, and uh, you, obviously you have a lot to to offer in that vein. So uh, yeah, uh, so. So when it comes to what, like, what's what's one of the things that you do, and I'll give something that I do to stop the comparanoia from happening, just to, you know, to check yourself. Man, it's tough. I, I have a hard time checking myself, and that's where I'm lucky in that I have a wife that will not hesitate to check me because <laughs> I'll do something similar to what into the wall. Or... <laughs> no, 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 no. She, she, definitely, she definitely gets me uh, back on track and she's not really kind about it. She doesn't get physical, but verbally she can be pretty aggressive sometimes, but it, it goes to the same thing that, that the same type of situation that we just experienced together. You and I, in that you had mentioned that my presentation was decent. And I was like, yeah, thank you. It's great. And you're like, no, no, stop, 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 stop. That's what she does, but she does it a little more aggressive than old Joe did there. But <laughs> that and and honestly, I, I, you know, there was a lesson that I learned, and this may be something that that was hardcore for me as well to to get rid of because there was a time I'm I'm a you can see my black belt maybe sitting back there somewhere. It's back back here, you know. I'm, I'm a martial arts was my first love, and I was in martial arts for a good twenty years, and I'm still attached to the game in certain ways, but. I always, you know, I grew up very, very fragile and um, I was six foot four, about a buck 55 when I graduated high school. So literal beanpole and everybody, you know, picked on me. Plus I was born with a birth defect, 
where uh, I only ended up with 60% of my normal of normal human lung capacity because oh, wow. I, I was born with an inverted sternum. So instead of my sternum growing out and allowing my organs to grow, my sternum was growing in while my organs were growing out and everything was getting crushed. So I had life-saving surgery when I was four years old where they went in and broke my sternum in multiple places and, and restructured it. And anyways, the bottom line is I have a scar about a foot, foot long and a very weird looking chest. So being a buck 55, playing basketball poorly and being in the dressing room and guys seeing my chest and I'm skinny and all this kind of stuff, I got picked on a lot. So, you know, I always dreamed of just being that guy that could just beat the tar out of somebody when they mouthed off. So martial arts was it for me, man. I had to get in there and I had to start being a, uh, I'm, I'm going to say one little AWS. Uh, I had to be a badass. That's it. And I wanted to be able to beat people up. My attitude was wrong. It was horrible. And uh, it, it, it caught up to me at a tournament one time and where I, I injured a guy and I thought he would be done. But being the warrior that he was, he came back and got back on the line and we went at it again. And I, I kind of went Cobra Kai on him because I went ahead and, you know, I hit him right back where I hurt him the first time. And of course oh. that hurt him again. And then not only that, I stood over him and pulled my fist back. Like I dare you to do something. Just it was being stupid. I got booed out of the gym and I had gone to this tournament. It was a weight tournament in a different state with my instructor. So I embarrassed the tar out of him and it changed my whole perspective. Well, one, because of the tongue lashing that I got in the car on the way back. And then the butt kicking that he gave me for a good week straight to set my attitude straight. So I knew at the time that I had an ego problem and I, I let that ego problem get in the way of just pure competition and the purity of martial arts. And it was it was just a horrible situation to put myself in and and the poor guy that I smacked in and my instructor. In. I mean, it was and you know, to top it off, I worked with one of the ladies that was in the audience. She had gone to this away tournament with her kid and she was just livid. And of course, I caught it when I went back to work. It was just the whole thing just bit me in the backside, which it should mm -hmm. have. You know, I, I deserved everything that I got. But that's where I realized if I give myself too much praise my ego gets out of control and my personality changes. So being aware of that makes it difficult for me to get beyond the comparanoia with compliments. Cause then I go, Oh hell yeah. I'm in podcast magazine. I'm the cat daddy. You know, ain't nobody as good as me. I'm ready, boy. Come on. So, you know, I can do that or I can go, I won. I beat the game. I'm out. I've done that before too. You know, I've gotten to the point in certain things where I reached a certain level that I thought was the echelon, the end game. And instead of taking it even further and excelling on a professional level or a semi-professional level, what did I do? I, I thought, well, that's it. I've done it all. I've done everything. And that's one of the positions that I find my, I've found myself in over the years. And that's why now that I have gone through a complete life transition, getting sober, I'll tell you what, man, you know, when you, when you come to a point where you know, you're going to die in the next 24 hours, you know, it, you know, it, you're on the couch, hmm. you're just totally blitzed out of your mind, but something somewhere clicked and said, dude, make a phone call. And I was bawling and I called my best friend and I said, dude, I need help. 
And uh, I said, I'm going to die. I know it. I just know it. Because all I'd been doing was drinking for weeks. Literally, that's it. I don't know what I consumed as far as food. But if I did, it didn't hang around for long. It was just a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. And he called my wife. And then they got into action. And thankfully, they came to my rescue. But after a few months of therapy and, and, and rehabilitation, I got sober. But I also had a mind shift. And my goal these days is more to help others and promote others than let my comparanoia make me be the horrible, horrible person that I once was. And I never want to see that person again. So that's one of the reasons that the comparanoia jumps on me and makes it so difficult for me to, to accept the compliments and to accept the, 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 the successes that I see along my, my path to wherever it may be going. But that that's, it, it's all tied in there, you know, and so many of us, we react to certain things in so many different ways because of prior uh, uh, influences, even going back to childhood that we can't really control. And I don't know that it would have changed had I not become an alcoholic, had I not nearly checked out, had I not gone to that hospital for the second time in one year and went through uh, a detox there in the hospital for days on end, uh, I, I probably wouldn't be the same person if I hadn't gone to rehab for seven full weeks or taken all the medication that I took for seven long years uh, or six long years. And uh, it, it just, it, it all comes together, you know, to make you who you are. And it comes to a point where, the comparanoia is either going to eat you alive or you're going to punch it in the nose and you're going to do your thing. That's what I'm trying to do. And and how long, uh, how long have you been sober for? Six years, six years, Wow, uh, a little over six years. It was in November, uh, was six years, November 13th. And you know, I'm, I'm not really one of the, 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 previous alcoholic types that counts the days or the hours or anything, but I know, I know the day that I went in, and I know the day that I came out and I, I do note that, you know, um, I don't go to meetings. I've never gone to a meeting outside of, uh, of therapy there or, or rehab. I refer to it as therapy, whatever. But um, I have had much follow up therapy with with uh, my rehab physician. But uh, other than that, no, I've been sober. No, not even a beer. Nothing. Not nothing has touched my lips other than my delicious monster. Mm. <laughs> Well, I, I'm so glad that you uh, you figured out that there was something you know something more for you uh, other than just dying. Yeah, death, yeah. you know there more than death. Be. Like <laughs> <laughs> there appears to be. Um. So, so I I know when when there's been plenty of times where I have felt that uh you know that paranoia and and wanting to um you know, be like, oh man, why am I the one not getting this? Or, you know, why is somebody else getting recognition in my local area and I'm not getting that recognition? And, you know, I, I, I subscribe to the, uh, to the, you know, the universe will provide uh, methodology, if you will. And universe being however you want to take that, you know, that's, that's, that's up to you to decide. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it does it does seem like things always work out the way they're supposed to and and work out generally for the best cuz you might not see it today but like oh man like to, a year from now like had i taken that opportunity 
I would be like such a bad shape now because I wouldn't have this opportunity in front of me here and or this other opportunity wouldn't have worked out for me or, you know, things of that nature. Um, yeah, you know, but I, I also think that um, sometimes as, as podcasters, we, we have to do so many things um, to, to make it to make it work right from hosting the show to understanding the tech of the show to understanding the the promotion and the marketing of the show to to understanding others like if you're interviewing other people understanding human beings but even if you're not interviewing other people like understanding at least what your your human the humans that are listening to the show want to hear uh though that does give me an idea for a dog podcast where you you're just speaking to dogs uh, you know or something crazy like that something off the wall like that uh you know that oh man it's like nothing but like dog whistles or something and uh i I don't know that actually that does sound like a really good especially for all the people like once we go back to normal life like you know instead of leaving like the news on or something for your the tv on for your dog to listen to all day leave the dog podcast on yeah that's just like just dog stuff (laughs) i don't know i don't know that sounds so great i don't know that sounds hilarious, actually. I, 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 you know, I'm not enough of a dog person, but I mean, I grew up with a dog, but I'm not enough of a dog person to go and to do that. But if somebody does that, please reach out. And let me know. I'd love to know how yeah, how hilarious. it works out for you. Um, but you know, I I try to use that as a way to keep myself in check, and and like you, Larry, my wife uh, tries to keep me in check as well, and uh in the thought process of like all the things that I do and want to do and like, oh, like, Hey, like Larry, we should totally start a dog, dog podcast, podcast for dogs, like not dog owners. Like you're not important. The dogs are important. Uh, you know, that, that I just, I can't do, I just cannot do it. Um, I, and I, and I hate saying I can't. In fact, it's, I remember, uh, my daughter just the other day was like, Dad, can you blah 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 like come over here and do this? And I was like, okay, I can't. I'll be right there. And she said, uh, Dad, you said that bad word. And I said, what? And she said, I can't. And I said, no, no, I know, I know. I I have to finish what I'm doing right this second because I, I was like literally doing something with my hands, like putting something together or something, and or fixing something. And <laughs> you know, so I guess I'm tra- training her well. Um, it's fun. did you did your mom ever tell you this one? She was if I said I can't. She loves saying can't never could do anything. No, no, no. Oh, I hated that saying so I'm like, don't say it, don't say it. No. My mom no, my mom had a far worse saying that I <laughs> did not like. Uh which and, and I'll say it because I, I think I've told her too at some point. I mean, I, I don't know, she she may or may not ever listen to this, but uh it was uh must be nice. Oh yeah, I hate. Oh god, it, it it makes my skin crawl. <laughs> like it really, really, really does. That is so funny, man. Um, we all have them, don't we? Oh god, like you know, well, because my parents were divorced, so it was always a uh, oh well, it must be nice to be able to get a car or go and you know have a boat or do this. And I'm like, it's not me. Like I don't like. I just want to sit around and play video games all day. Like come on now, like computer <laughs> games all day, like. You know what must be nice? Play, sitting around playing video games all day. Yeah, it must be awesome. 
<laughs> well, I mean, there's people that do it now for a living and, and not for like, you know, Activision or, you know, Nintendo yeah. or whatever. But, you know, it's it's still hard. You got to come up with like storylines and be entertaining. And it's, you can't just sit there and be like, I'm playing my video games. And that's it. Yeah, no, that amazes me. You know, you see Twitch. If, if you go to uh, what is it? Twitch.tv mm-hmm. uh, and, you, and you watch these kids play these games and man, they'll have thousands of live viewers at the time. And I'm like, what? And they also have people donating. Yes. Donations going by. And I'm like, for playing World of Warcraft? I'm like, sign me up, bro. This is great. But (laughs) make it work. I don't know how I wouldn't even know where to start. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I I stream video games. You can go to games with super joe pardo on facebook um you know it's it's fun i I enjoy it but it's hard to like i for me like i get in into the game like i'm like i'm thinking more about the game than i'm thinking about like Mm. the conversation but i think if i i mean i thought about at one point i was like i should totally have like a podcast where we sit like we would have this conversation right now but we'd be playing Minecraft at the same time. Like we'd be playing Minecraft right. while doing the podcast. Right. And like that I could see totally doing, but like just like with me and a couple of friends, like, you know, it's hard to make it. I don't know. I, I find it very hard to make it as entertaining as it is. I'd like it to be, but an audience helps, right? Like, sure. as you know, as a speaker, like it, to, to go and to have to speak and not have, um, interaction is like facial reactions and body language is it's very difficult because you don't know if you're saying the, the the right thing or not but that was one of the things bringing it back to the podcast conference from this weekend excuse me that having Streamyard be able to to enable me to put the comments into the video now in your case and in a lot of speakers cases they were sharing their whole screen so they couldn't actually see the right. comments as they were going but everybody else could and everybody else was interacting with each other and that's why I was throwing them up because I figured later on when you're just watching the video as uh, recording like on say on YouTube you're not going to ha- see the comment list right there so it it creates more of a personality to it than uh and and i think even in some ways more than um more than being in a room with everybody because when you're watching somebody speak up on stage like you can't be like hey that's really funny like or or like i do that too like but you could totally write it in the comments and then boom it shows up on the screen now i don't know if it was was, i noticed it was a little distracting for some speakers who were like they were talking and then all of a sudden oh yeah 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 i'm that way too and you know so they don't have that um that ability but i i wonder if we if we're like trapped inside of our houses for like six months to a year if they'll develop that um that, I was gonna that, bring that, up, that muscle that no, was, go ahead uh, go ahead no i was gonna ask you know but and and i know we were we used you still had a topic and i didn't mean to interrupt and distract you there no but no it was a topic that i was gonna present was that you know we are in this situation and we are i'm seeing a lot more i mean a, a ton of live videos and to play on what you were just saying there as far as you know speaking to an audience and not knowing what the reactions are it's like right now you know i can i can see your reaction but if i see your reaction i have to stare at you instead of talking to the camera which goes out to everybody and i i got more comfortable with speaking to a camera by doing facebook live every night you know and that's one of my shticks i say a shtick it's one of the things that i do you know i have a 10 minutes in sub segment to the podcast and i 
when I'm recording, I'm on a hiatus right now till May 5th, but May 5th, you can, you can bet I'll be back on Facebook live talking to a camera and hoping that I'm getting the reaction that I see in my head. Hmm. Am I? I don't know. And it took me a while to realize that. I don't know. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look right at that camera. I'm going to talk to that camera just like everybody out there is enthralled. Everybody out there is laughing at every joke. Everybody out there, I have their undivided attention. And that makes it so much easier to deal with. Now, Sunday, when I was speaking on your show, the comparanoia was really heavy. Because, you know, am I going to have as many viewers as these other speakers? I followed a few, several. I think most of the morning were all just super stud speakers. And then here comes Lair. And I'm like, oh, man, this is I got to follow Matthew Passy. That dude's awesome. He speaks so well. I sat in on his talk at PodFest. And now I'm following him on, you know, a virtual stage. And it was so difficult. But. You know, after a while, I think I kind of got in the groove and I kind of felt the gears change where I was back in just talking to the camera and enjoying what's going on. And I wonder if during this recess of life that we're in right now, do and I'm seeing more and more live videos or even pre-recorded videos. Uh, what sort of impact or what sort of change is that going to make on society? Are we going to see more virtual interaction? Are, are we going to see less out in the world? You know, are we going to transition to a reclusive spot where we can have virtual conversations and we can have virtual games and interactions and everything that a lot of times are even easier to have and more fun to have than being in person? I think it depends on how long this this lasts. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I, I have a hard time believing this is going to change the fabric of the way we operate our society. Um, I will say there needs to be more esports titles going on on the TV since there's no sports of any kind, and they're talking about like, oh, well, we'll have it without the fans, and it's like. Is that really the same? Yeah. I mean, at least esports is like kind of the same when they're, you know, they're able to like talk. I don't know. It's, I, I, I don't know. If this continues, like, I hope esports becomes a thing, though. All the games that people play as esports, I don't really care for. So it's right. It, 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 you know, I'm not a huge Overwatch fan. I'm not into League of Legends or um, Dota 2 or. Uh, but like if, if Counter-Strike was a thing and they were showing Counter-Strike on TV, I'd totally be watching it because right, it's right. super awesome. Like I enjoy it, you know, if PUBG <laughs> was a thing, like I'll maybe watch Fortnite. I've never played it, but you know, maybe, um, I, you know, I, I do wonder if, if handshakes will come back. Um, because listening to, uh, like one of the YouTubers I follow on, on YouTube, Linus Tech Tips, because I'm so into tech. You know, he's like, I stopped getting sick like over a year and a half ago. He's like, you know how I stopped getting sick? I stopped shaking people's hands. That's what happened. I stopped touching my face and I stopped touching people's hands and I don't get sick anymore. Wow. Like, you know, and for a guy that's got 10 million subscribers on YouTube and is very well respected like in the, in the industry, like I kind of don't blame him. It sounds kind of not great, like from a... Man, you're too cool for shaking people's hands. Um, for me as a hugger, I, I don't – it's difficult <laughs> to say the least. 
Um, but I don't know. I could I could probably live without shaking people's hands. I think it's a I think it's a weird power struggle. Any anyway, like especially like when you watch the. I think it was ne- never more apparent than watching like somebody clip those videos of Donald Trump shaking people's hands. Yeah. Uh, together, where he's like pulling the person into yep. him, and yep. and it's like you know whatever you think of him, whatever. But like that vi- that video is hilarious because oh, it's, it's just technique. like one hundred percent technique. It's intentional. Everything that he does there is intentional. You know, I used to be in sales and I've read all of Donald's books, you know, before he became president, before the whole world started hating him. Uh, I thought he was a pretty cool cat, you know, but um, I loved his show. It was great. It was a lot of fun to watch for the first few seasons. But, you know, I started off one of my first real jobs was selling cars. So selling cars is always a power struggle between the salesperson and the customer. And we would structure things in a way that would put us in positions of authority uh, even if they weren't, you know, very obvious, we would set ourselves up higher than the customers. The chairs that the customers sat in were always lower than the salesperson. Uh, we would always have our hand on top. When we shake hands. We shake hands kind of, kind of sideways and we would turn and that way our hand was on top. And just like you see Donald Trump doing, we would pull them in. Of course, it would be very, very firm as well. Depending on the person, you didn't want to cr- crush their hand, obviously. But me being a buck fifty-five, there wasn't a lot of hand crushing going on. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know, it was it was all just a game, and it's just like with him. But I don't like shaking hands anymore. I will if, if I see somebody that man they got their hand out. I'm not going to go. Ah, no, you know, I'm not going to do that. But Howie Mandel does. You know, Howie Mandel won't shake hands. Yeah. Okay. So here, so here's the thing though about Howie Mandel, right? Is he's been that way forever. Right. 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 So like, you're you're asking people like myself who who again will shake hands. It's not my favorite thing to do. Uh, or uh, hugging. Uh, you know that is more higher on that list. Uh, but to say no, I'm gonna change, and now people have to feel like they're not being like, oh, is it just because it's me? Like, oh, like, no, it's not just, it's me. It's not you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, we're breaking up. It's my fault. It's my fault. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, people don't buy that. They don't, they don't believe that. Even if it's true, they go, eh, no, they walk away feeling uh, like you don't care as much about them as maybe somebody else does. And that, that is a difficult line to, to walk. But uh, I think if you explain it, you know, and, and it's consistent. If you go to a conference, if you go to PodFest or Podcast Movement or whatever it may be that's out there, and you consistently don't shake hands, uh, it may make it easier. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, it's, mm. it's tough. Because all your business people, all your big timers are always going to want to shake hands. They're always going to want to shake hands. They're always going to have a three-button polo on, and their sleeves are going to be always smaller than their than their biceps are, and they're going to try to dominate you and shake your hand all hard, and then you're going to be like all paranoid, and then you're just going to walk away feeling inferior. It sucks. It it, it yeah it, it yeah it does suck. Um, I I've never felt that way though. I mean that would, that just came to me just now. <laughs> Well, I guess getting to talk about your your days as a car salesman and and needing to, you know to have all the things. I mean, you are already six four. How much higher did your seat need to be? <laughs> well, when I sit down, you know, we can all be even depending on the legs of the chairs. But we make well, yeah. The, the 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 all every chair for customers was at one height, and we made sure that when we sat in our desks, we were over the top of them, and we would play up really mind games and and like on Saturdays we would have what they call uh, cash in hand or or what was it cash in fist CIF and uh, if you did this then you get a hundred bucks just cash right 
and there would be different contests. And one Saturday we had a contest where I won all three cash and fists for the day. So I got an extra 300 bucks. One of them was to, after a couple has sat down at your desk, have them switch seats for no reason. Got them to do it. Oh, can I have you sit there, please? And can I get y'all to switch? And they would be like, what? Yeah. Can you just, they would do it. And uh, <laughs> so you would get money just for it too. <laughs> yeah, you have control of the customer. Then that, that was the whole point. Wow. The other one was to get a whole family because I sold Chrysler's and a uh, Chrysler Plymouth Dodge GP Eagle actually was the first place I worked. And uh, we I, had, I love my Pacifica, by the way. There you go. For, for what that's worth. <laughs> <laughs> we had a Fifth Avenue on, on the showroom floor right by the sales tower, which is where all the sales managers sit. And the other cash and fist was to get an entire family. Uh, to sit in the trunk of a Fifth Avenue, and the reason you do that is because it was an, it was a demonstration of the self leveling suspension that the Fifth Avenue had. So I did it. I got them on the floor. I said, "Oh, here we go. Check that. Hey, you want to see something cool? Everybody, 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 jump on the back of this right here. Everybody, sit right there in the trunk. Just, just sit there. Have a seat. Now watch this. And we go. And as they got in, I looked over at the sales tower. Went, <laughs> and I got that one too. And then the third one was was to get somebody on their back under a vehicle. And this one, this one was pretty easy because we also sold Dodge trucks. And uh, okay. Texas, which is a little, you know, it's, it's still kind of farmish up there, or it was at the time. And I had a, a good old boy come up, and he had on his overalls, and he was looking at Dodge trucks. And all I had to do was say, hey, man, jump down here, take a look at the suspension, and uh, see, how, see how beefy it is. It's just really, really, you're not going to have any problems with this. And uh, sure enough, he slid right up underneath there, and, got my third one for the day so you know <laughs> oh that's hilarious that, yeah but i i mean i guess it's 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 kind of a good thing from a camaraderie standpoint uh as well to like to challenge each other to like do these things like these uh, like other than like because because otherwise i look i know that the life of a sales car salesman and, and a used car salesperson at that uh is not an easy life you're basically nothing after the first of the month and it doesn't matter how many more you sold over the, the goal which is already astronomical you know 100 cars 120 cars 80 80 was it like 80 used cars and like 120 new cars or maybe it's the other way around i don't recall but it like was yeah like yeah there's a good american life episode about that and which i i mean i don't listen to a lot of podcasts but i did listen for some reason that that got shared to me and i i listened to most of it and it was really interesting uh i don't do not envy their their lives uh, no, it's, it's 12 all. hours a day 13 14 hours a day you know if you have a customer at closing time you don't say come back tomorrow you stay there till the deal is done so you may work till 11 and you're still expected to be right back there at your desk at 7 a.m it doesn't matter and if you take time off, what are you going to do? Odds are you're going to lose money because if you have a customer come back, now you're splitting that commission with the salesman that takes care of them on your day off. So you know your day off is going to cost you money. So it's 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 a terrible life, terrible life. I'm I'm glad that I don't do it anymore. I, and I did mm. I did it about, I did it for about four four and a half years. Wow. At various dealerships, you know, I'd get mad and I'd quit, or they'd get mad and they'd fire me. And then uh, I'd go down the street for a couple of days, then go right back to where I was. And that's just the car game. Or it was then. Now, I can't speak to the car game these days. This was 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, somewhere in that area uh, or throughout that that time span there. And, you, you know, I, I've had one salesperson or one sales manager, great friend of mine to this day. He's fired me twice. <laughs> get your rear, rear, rear and get the rear, rear, rear out. And he would kick me out and I'd have to go down the street for about a week or two and then 
Old Coder would call me up. You go, you want to come back now? I like, yep. It's like breaking up and getting back together. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so Larry, um, when it comes to comparanoia, yeah, what, what is what, what, what's one way that we can stop before we even get started? Like what, like, like if you know how, like I know how to hit the reset switch, right? Like to, to like go talk to somebody else that'll bring you back down to earth or bring you back to the reality or think about like, okay, well I didn't get this opportunity. So, you know, maybe it just wasn't the opportunity for me or whatever at the time. Um, cause I mean, what's, what's one thing that you could do before going even down that road? I mean, the very first thing and the very first step in, in the overcoming the cycle of comparanoia is changing your thoughts. You have to change your thought process. And as cheesy as it sounds, and I'm not saying do this, but if you remember, what was it? Stuart Smiley from Saturday Night Live. Was that who it was, Stuart? He'd look in the mirror and go, uh, I am somebody and darn it, people like me. And that's very cheesy and hilarious at the same time. But it's a thought process. And if you have to use affirmations, that's perfectly fine. I have a deck. Oh, let me show you this. One of my guests who just climbed Mount Kilimanjaro uh, just last month uh, gave me this, and it's called, well, it's the Sweet AWS <laughs> Domination Deck. What this deck is, and it's got some naughty words in it, so we're not going to read any. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But they're affirmations is all they are. They're, they're daily affirmations. And you read these, and in, instead of having negative thoughts for the day, you take your card, whatever card it may be. I think there's, I don't know, 70-some-odd cards. I'm sorry, it's 60, 60 cards. And you take that for the day, you read that, and change your thought patterns. Now, you may not use this particular tool, but there's a number of tools that you can use out there as well. Or you can do just like Stuart Smiley, look yourself straight in the eye in that mirror and say whatever you need to say to put yourself in a position to overcome your dose of comparanoia. So it's funny you mentioned that because I'm going to share my screen here. Uh, I actually wrote a book with over 160 self-affirmations in it. <laughs> wow. See, I wish I'd have known that. Out of, out yeah of, instead of his oh man well it's uh it's it, and it's it's um so basically it's repetitive so like each page is one self-affirmation just written over and over and over and over again and then i used uh the inverse colors so like instead of black text on white uh paper it's uh i used like a paintbrush uh black uh black background with white text and painted letters onto each page and there's hidden messages throughout the entire book, like kind of like a flip book. Dude, that is so cool. Yeah. Isn't it? It is really cool. I actually got some, not some great feedback in, um, <laughs> on the, uh, Amazon reviews. But, well, but no, the thing is, is, it, though, is you know, if you they just didn't get it, that's the way I look exactly, at it. Exactly. Yeah. They weren't your, they weren't your audience. So it's not a big deal. And that, that goes back to the comparanoia. I got some bad reviews. Hey, you got bad reviews because that wasn't your audience. So, you know, there, there, you, you don't even let that negativity, uh, get in the way of, pushing your book i have not i didn't know anything about this book until just now and i've known you for at least what six months eight months oh, 
to my yeah, wow. I guess you haven't been to my website and clicked on books because I have four of them. <laughs> maybe, I maybe, maybe, maybe I just didn't notice it because I think I've been on your website. But anyways, I didn't know the book existed for whatever reason. Maybe I'm just not a good friend and I hadn't perused. Ah, that's all good. <laughs> but my point is, is that you know you can still push that book. That book can still be a saving grace for you. It can still be something huge for you if you don't let those negative thoughts step in because the negative thoughts lead to the negative feelings. And the negative feelings are depression and anxiety, and it holds you down all because somebody you don't know, Johnny Underpants 23 on Amazon, gave you a bad review on your book. They were, yeah, well, they were disappointed because they loved my first two books, and they said that, that this book was uh, so disappointing. I mean, it, I mean, obviously, I have two great people who wrote uh, very positive things to say about yeah. it. In fact, Daniel Watson, who is a you know big time guest on my show, uh, Dreamers Podcast, and good friend of mine, she actually wrote the foreword for this book because I I reached out to her and was like, hey, I had this idea. Uh, I'm going to do this. And then she, like three days later, she, she wrote back to me. She's like, so I wrote a list of things that you could do with this book. <laughs> would you like me to send it to you? And I was like, yes, yes, I would, because I didn't know what to, how to start it out. And, uh, so she wrote like the first two, basically the two, first two pages of the book, uh, explaining how to go about using the book. Cause even myself, like while I had the idea and I did it in 10 days, Larry, 10 wow. days this book wow. was all on Amazon from the time I woke up uh, I was I was about to I fell asleep and I woke up with this idea of like uh, I was I just watched the Banksy uh, documentary okay uh, did you ever ever see that, see that yes. yeah it was really uh, it was exit through the the gift shop and and I woke up like I went to sleep woke up and was like well repetition artwork what if I did that with words and then I, I, you know, so I grabbed my phone. I wrote down like sixty or seventy self affirmations. And then the next, I went to sleep. And then when the next one, I wrote down like fifty, sixty more. And I wrote more and more. And ten days later, the book was on Amazon called That's "I Self Empower." Yeah, 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 yeah. And th and it's funny. I actually I put this book, uh, the Sales Won't Save Your Business book, on hold while I developed the "I Self Empower" book, even though it was because it, it was such an easy process that i was like you know what i'm gonna stop i'm gonna put do this and 10 days later i'm gonna have a book that looks like nothing else because that's that's what you do when you because you know what because of the comparison bring it back in paranoia uh when i come up with an idea i i immediately go and google it to see if somebody else has done it and i was like oh no one else has done this i was like i don't know if it's a great idea or a, a okay idea or a bad idea but it's an idea that i don't see i'm not finding it so I should be the guy to do it. And then 10 days later, I did it. <laughs> and it's a unique idea. And it's you. It's something you were motivated yeah. to do. And you weren't trying to be like somebody else. And, and, and nor were you trying to be influenced to be someone else from an outside influence. You were influenced and you were inspired to write this book. And yep. that inspiration, 10 days is amazing. <laughs> is I, 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 that, Daddy, I wrote mine in 20 and I brag about that. And now you've got Oh, wow. Uh, insane. So I think this book, this book took like three months to do because uh, it's all like all the pictures are hand drawn in it. Um, oh, wow. There's Anthony Hayes for anyone that, that knows that guy and loves that guy. Uh, but the second one, I was like, oh, I am totally not coloring in Sharpie with Sharpie marker. So I was like, you know what? I'm. I, it's a coloring book now. <laughs> 
So yeah. we're going to do the second one as a coloring, but same types of images, same types of, of artwork, but just you color it. Because you know what? I'm, my, my hand was ready to fall off. And I think this book took a little over a month to wow. do. And the reason it being is because I already had the talks. I already had like everything I wanted to put into it. Uh, this book te- took 10 days, but hey, this book, Sales Won't Save Your Business, took two years to write with like a real, like, I mean, I used editors for the first two books, but like, this was like the next level of, you know, a much ex- more expensive editor. And, and I had an interior designer versus me doing the interior design for the first three books and that kind of stuff. And I, and I love it. And I, I'm still looking to do my fifth book at some point. Uh, I've just cool. been kicking around ideas and you know it, but yeah so i i would say i i love the self-affirmation idea um so that you never you don't get to that point where you feel bad or sorry for yourself that you're you're not getting where you want to be um i would also recommend so kanye west has a book uh that i would absolutely recommend yeah 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 so it's a book for people like me who i wrote write books for is people who don't like to read books uh because they're very i'm a very slow reader so like i'm gonna pull it up here i don't know if it's still in print um but it's and i, ha- I have it uh let me see here oh yeah thank you and you're welcome because that would be what he would call it. Um, here, I'll pull it up right here so people can see. So it's called "Thank You and You're Welcome," and it basically. It, what's funny is, is when was this written? Because it, it kind of reminds me of like my 31 life changing concepts. Even though I didn't buy this book until well after that book, like I bought the Kanye book like two years ago or something. So it was you know, but he he had wrote this back in 2009. And I don't, I don't know if you know, it's really small, like it's only six and a half inches. Um, I guess there's no pictures in it. There's a lot of harsh, yeah, I guess not a lot, a lot of harsh reviews, but yeah, it's a, it's a really neat book that, uh, if you're looking for like self-affirmation type of things, like totally something to go check out for 10 bucks. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, and predates my book, which I didn't even realize that he had a book <laughs> to, right. to begin with. But yeah. Uh, so in conclusion, cause we got to wrap it up here cause we're already over an hour here. Um, what, what, what's one thing that you say back to yourself? Like what's one self affirmation that you find yourself, um, using to not to, to to ward it off to ward off comparanoia that's you know it, it, i can't really say what i say because i tend to use a little more exotic uh language <laughs> exotic it's, all right Larry, exotic <laughs> um you know it, it's it's really just you you've been there you've done it you you know what it takes to avoid the burnout you know what it takes to avoid the arrogance you know what it takes to avoid um the 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 pain that's caused by the comparanoia so don't let it affect you you know i i knew i know where i was with my martial arts i know where i was at a point with car sales i know where i was at a point with artwork the list goes on and on and on but i always for whatever reason uh, it was comparanoia. I don't need to say for whatever reason. It was some version of comparanoia. I bailed. You know, I bailed. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave 
Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll leave you with this. I, I, I've never, uh, I don't think I've ever publicly shared this, but I went to some fights because I was fighting in MMA at the time and I was scheduled to fight this night. And uh, we drove and drove and drove and we got to the venue and it's a bar in the backwoods of Louisiana. So it's in a bayou, literally. And um, pretty scary looking place. And we go into the bar and it's a pretty scary looking place. But I'm like, ah, whatever. This is cool. I've fought before. This ain't no big deal. I'm going to crush whoever I come up against. It doesn't matter. Because I didn't know who my opponent was other than a name. And um, we do the weigh-ins. My opponent comes out in a scream mask. So he's wearing a scream mask. And I'm like, what is this crazy son of a gun doing? Right? So the comparanoia really started coming in. I was going, this guy's so cocky, so confident that he's wearing a mask. He has got so much experience that he's going to crush me. I'm here with UFC level fighters and I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm going to get crushed. I'm going to get destroyed. So what did I end up doing because of the comparanoia? And it wasn't fear. I wasn't afraid. I had lost before, but this was different because I was comparing myself to my coach at the time. Um, the gentleman that we went down and trained with that came to corner us uh, was the corner of Tito Ortiz and all the big names back in the day. And the day before he had questioned my conditioning. So I got questioned by one of the gods of the game. And I knew I was being compared to some of these gods of the game and win or lose. I was scared because I knew if I won, then I'm going to be expected to fight even harder competition the next time. And will I win there? Will I beat that person? Can I? I've only got 60% lung capacity. Who am I to try to compete with these people that have 100% lung capacity? You know, I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a competition where we're beating each other in the face, you know, and, 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 and I'm trying to compete with these guys. So the night before the fight, we weighed in that day. And then that night after the weigh-ins, I got sick. I got sick, quote unquote, and I backed out and I sandbagged and I had so much comparanoia that was weighing in on me. Then after Saul had said that my cardio was questionable, that weighed in on me even heavier because I worshiped this guy and I wanted to fight under this guy's tutelage and he was not impressed. Um, I, I let it get to me and not fighting that night. And I was still at the fights because I cornered a couple of fighters. So here I am at the cage. I'm sick. I'm too sick to fight, but I'm not too sick to corner. And, you know, of course that looks stupid. You know, everybody knew I, I chickened out. And that is a feeling that I never, ever, ever, ever want to experience again. So that, that was, shoot, 20 some odd years ago. And it still weighs just as heavy on me today as it did then. And that is really my go-to each and every time. And again, I've never told that story on a podcast or anywhere, really. I, I keep that one on the down low. So that's the real truth. That's my real motivation. And uh, if telling your truth is what uh, makes you uh, relatable or makes you overcome your comparanoia, then by all means, always tell your truth. And there you have it. Uh, I am. I, I. It's crazy to think that a guy in a mask could could put uh put you off so much that you're, you know, willing to kind of look silly 
Well, uh, even worse than if I had gotten beat. If I had fought and gotten beat, I was would have still had the respect of my peers for fighting. Right. Well, somebody's got to lose, right? Like well, yeah. you're not coming out both winners. Right. <laughs> right. But I still would have had the, the respect. But instead, I got sick and backed out and was still at the fight. I mean, it was just the whole thing was stupid. I was an idiot. I was an idiot. And it wasn't just the guy in the mask. I don't want to, to use that as the overall emphasis. Mm -hmm. That was definitely a contributing factor. But it was the, the day before the cardio comments and the company that I was with. I mean, I was with my coach is a UFC fighter. I mean, we were on the same team and he's crushing it at the time. And I didn't want to let him down. I didn't want to embarrass the team. We have the same tattoos for Christ's sake. It was really important, you know, and it was important, but I, did, I just let it get to me. And I compared myself to everybody around me and I let it weigh me down and I, and I let it ruin a perfect opportunity. So there mm. it is. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Well, yeah, now I feel great. I'm going to the rest of my day kicking rocks. Here we go. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Not really. But, you know, it's a, it, it's, it's a true story and it's a painful story. And I hope somebody can get something out of it. But don't let your comparanoia take away your opportunity to shine uh, on the big stage. Uh, absolutely, Larry. Thank you so much. Uh, please get, give everybody how they can uh, reach reach out to you and and uh, learn more about you and and hopefully uh, check out your your talk. Uh, it sounded it sounded like you were going to have that available for people to watch. Yeah, you, you should absolutely gave, should. Yes, I appreciate that. Thank you. the uh, The talk that I gave uh, is going to be out live on my website, and it's going to go live on Facebook. Uh, you can find me at readilyrandom.com. That's my website. I keep everything fairly straightforward, fairly simple. Uh, all of my social media is at readilyrandom, so I'm easy to find there. Uh, you can email me at larry at readilyrandom.com. Ask me questions. Come at me with whatever you got. I'll be happy to help any way that I possibly can. And check out 1 plus 1 equals podcast on Udemy. It's a great course for beginner podcasters. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Larry, thank you so much for taking the time to come and speak on the Indie Pod podcast. This has been a non-live production, which has been really <laughs> weird for me. Uh, but in a, in a way, very it's um, it's different because it's been so long since I've done not you know a not live podcast, right? Um, but I, I I've enjoyed it. Thank you so well, much, I, Larry. I gotta say, I I totally appreciate you fit me in where you can get me in. The, the non-live uh, aspect of it is is probably tough after being live for so long. And I greatly appreciate it that you, you worked with me on the time and I was able to take advantage of this perfect opportunity to be on the IndiePod podcast along with Super Joe Pardo. <laughs> Thank you so much, Larry. Yeah, I'm glad I was able to make it work as well. And uh, and so when this does go, I'm not sure how, because I have like two more shows that I'm going to have to probably record not live uh, coming up here soon. So uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know when to say what to say. My next guest name is going to be because I'm not sure when this is going out, but uh, but when it does, probably in like a week or two, um, I I absolutely hope that you reach out to Larry and uh, and tell him, you know, get share share your comparanoid story with them. Come on with it, I'd love to hear it. All right, all right. Uh, this episode has been brought to you by Podbean. Uh, they also offer Podbean's live stream. Uh, it's a unique platform for turning your podcast production into a live show and is open to any podcaster on any hosting site 
You can easily invite multiple co-hosts and uh, guests to join the live stream, earn money from live show ticket sales, and get listener rewards uh, and engage your audience in new and exciting ways. If you're ready to get started, sign up today at www.podbean.com slash live. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com slash live. Uh, I hope everybody has a great week ahead. Uh, if we're if we're still quarantined when we're listening, when you're listening to this, I hope that life is not coming to an end for you and and your family, and everybody's able to be safe uh, and distanced uh, at the same time. So uh, take care, everybody, and I'll see you on the next episode.